All right, so we're recording, so three, two, and welcome to another episode of Revival. I'm Vaughn Belak. I'm here with Menton Matthews, as always. Do, 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 intro music. Oh, <laughs> intro that's, music. That's lovely intro music. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm working on it. You know what I mean? It's like if you if you want intro music, come come up come up come up in this piece. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been busy. In fact, in fact, we were talking earlier. Like, uh, it's uh, it's been a bit. Uh, I've been yeah. working on a, uh, some some work, and uh, it's been a lot. So I apologize. Working um, on some work, and it's been a lot. That's absolutely that's the best. It, that's, that's it really has. I, I mean, you know, like I always try to like feel like there's something in a painting that scares me to think. Yeah. Then I don't want to do it right um i feel like i I have to you have to have a little bit of fear or you're not i don't know that energy doesn't get in it's there's something off you know yeah and sometimes every now and again you know i bite off more than i can chew and that's apparently what i've been doing right now so yeah um so i apologize for the no intro music um there's other things going on that i'll speak publicly about soon but uh, how are you? How's your week? How's it going? Week is good. Things have been good. Just been um, staying busy, doing some some projects. I've got. I was just telling you before we started recording. I, I've I'm in that spot where I feel like I haven't done any actual painting paintings in maybe a week or so, and I feel like I've got that bubble is happening and it's about to pop. And so I can tell. Usually I go through these cycles where I get away from things for a little bit i don't do a lot of work and that'll be like maybe a week maybe two and then all of a sudden it'll be like bang 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 and i'll have 10 new paintings it's i work really fast when i do get going but then the breaks seem like um they've gotten a lot shorter actually in between kind of bursts of work or when i when i get in those spots where i force myself to sketch every day which i am also doing a lot of a lot of digital sketching right now just to kind of keep sharp but i've been um I've been away for a second. It feels like I'm about to get back, though. Like I cannot. It's tangible. I can feel it. Like I, I know that tangible feeling you're talking about, but I also know, like, when I don't paint for a long time, like I start like losing my shit. Yeah. Like it's it, it, it it's weird. It's a very strange <laughs> thing where where you know when you're having those like nine, twelve hour painting days, you feel, you're like, okay, I need a break, and then you yeah. take a break, and you're like, oh, I need to go back to painting. It's like where where does the you know there's somewhere there's a balance, but you know, God forbid, I haven't fucking found it. So, well, I'll tell you, I almost lost my shit on somebody the other day. Like, uh, I had a full on, I'm going to go off and blow this guy the fuck up <laughs> moment. Oh fuck! I, can, can you tell us <laughs> what happened? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just, there's, there's a, there's a gentleman that I've got a, a, a bit of a working relationship with on some stuff and we're not seeing eye to eye on some things. And he had said some stuff, you know, cause stuff gets said and, um, and as that stuff will do, it got back around into my ears and I, I considered it a, for a couple of days before I did anything about it. And then I considered it another day. And after that last day, I was able to be like, Hey man maybe maybe we'll part ways but let's go ahead and part ways rather than rather than the explosion that could have happened it was good it was positive yeah i i feel like over the last 
four to five years, I've really cut my temper in check. Um, uh, mine, I got, I, I've got to walk away for a second and breathe and like think about it and consider, and then I got to think about it and consider it again. And if I if I still come to the same conclusion, that's fine. But lately, I've gotten to where I the the I got to distance myself from situations. You know, it's like that's the thing. It's like I, I, I don't know. It was right about the time that I, I don't want to name names and companies, but there was there was a situation I was involved in, um, and I quit the situation. Yeah. Um, and it was right about that time that I'm like, you know what? My temper is really bad and yeah. it's causing a lot of fucking issues for me. So I need to figure out how to not have that be an issue. Um, and I started really delving into, okay, why am I so angry? You know, like what? It, and I had to admit to myself that there is a certain aspect. This is horrible to admit out loud, but I have to, yeah, admit, yeah. you know. That I, I I like confrontation. Oh yeah, it's um, a drug. It's great. I, I'm kind of good at it. You know what I mean? Like, in the sense of like, I, I don't back down and 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 shit like that. But then you start going down and looking at, okay, why am I like this? You know, yeah. what, 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 this isn't normal. You know, I'm destroying friendships and this is bad. Um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Looking at my, my behavior at that point, I didn't mind what I said. But I absolutely minded how I said it. That's what it is right there. It's how I say it. It's a, there's a thing I talk about with, with some people that uh, the difference between responding and reacting is everything, you know. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously, it all for me, I don't know about you, but it all comes from like childhood and adolescent shit that happened to me that is robotically programmed into me as a reaction. So I, I look at it as, OK, when I'm when my temper is flaring, I'm not acting i'm reacting reacting yeah for sure and but lately okay so over the last many many years i've been much better at my temper than i used to be um but i gotta tell you the COVID 19 thing has really spawned a lot of crap for me with it like i i I legitimately like if i'm at the grocery store which is risking my life to some extent i have pleurisy and asthma so if you're if you're if you're walking at me without a face mask, breathing all fucking heavy, getting up in my shit, I'm start I I'm starting I haven't done anything yet, right? <laughs> but like I can feel that reaction thing take place, which is obviously some kind of like fight or flight type situation that's going well, on, you know. But, I was gonna say the the thing about it is is that when you're like all anger comes out of fear, and so you got to figure out what you're afraid of. You're either afraid of getting something or I'm not sorry. You're not afraid of getting something. You're afraid of losing something or something being taken away from you or something's going to get you or whatever. It's, it's always a fear-based thing for me anyway, at least. So if I'm angry, I got to look at what I'm afraid of. So if I'm afraid of disease or whatever like that, then, then I've got to seriously look at those things. But it all, you know, I, I've, I've gotten better because I used to not be better about it. I remember you not being better about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but but again, you were good at it, you know, it and, and, that, yeah. and I respect that. You know, I mean, I do think like the kind of guerrilla warfare way that we grew up um, t- tends to l- lend itself to that kind of behavior and that kind of ideology. Because yeah. 
you know, I can, I, I'm sure I've told some of the story on this podcast, another one before, but I can tell you in my past, the moment that it happened to me. Um, I used to, I mean, I remember being humiliated in, in, in middle and in, in elementary school. Right. I was really heavily bullied. And uh, I remember this day I was at Milam junior high school, which is the same, you know, high school uh, Elvis Presley went to. And I remember Jenny had worn the first PVC skirt I'd ever seen in my life. Big day for me. And I was that talking was to her. Day. It was a big fucking day for me. And obviously Darius, the school bully, was he got involved and shoved me down. And my head landed on the ground. And it came about four inches from hitting a, a loose brick. Oof. And I'm like, oh, my God, if my head would have hit that brick. And then a light bulb went off in my head. I mean, I, I'm about 10 years old. Yeah. And I picked I picked that brick up and I beat the living crap out of Darius with it. And from that moment on, my whole thing was okay. Right now, I'm absolutely willing to die in this moment to not be hum- humiliated anymore. Like, and it, it served me well. Like in Mississippi, I was very much like a bully to bullies. Like I, I would find bullies and just be awful. You know what I mean? Not not do be anything. Awful. Her- <laughs> well, you, you can yeah. you can you can try to tell yourself it's heroic. You know what I mean? Sure. But no, I, I wasn't. And it's that kind of thing. I mean, so, I mean, going back and looking at it, I can, I understand like what the problem is, but it doesn't mean that if that isn't in your consciousness at that moment, um, you know, you can have this weird reaction, which is me acting like a complete idiot. And I always feel like an idiot. I I really do. Like when you lose your temper and you, you act like an idiot, I can always fucking tell you know, later on, and it's like, man, in the moment, it sounded really good. But it's it's not a it's not a very spiritual feeling. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, uh, but but I do think temper lends itself to to, to some spiritual shit. I got to okay. be honest with you, because I think that there's a time and a place where, okay, well, I shouldn't go into that right now, but it, it's kind of stretching it, spirit. I mean, I really want to talk about it. So have you, are you, are you a fan at all of Mark Twain? Yeah, of course. Have you ever read The Mysterious Stranger? It's a short story of his. Yeah, I did. I read it. I believe I read it somewhere around high school though. Oh, I love that fucking story. Mark, Mark, (laughs) Mark Twain has a massive soft spot in my heart. Like I am, I'm a massive Mark Twain fan. Yeah, one of, my uh, buddies, I, one of my buddies from high school is a huge fan and, and really got me to, to take a second look at Mark Twain when I was a kid. Well, the, I would say Mysterious Stranger is by far my favorite story of his. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's what, like 100, 200 pages, something like that. It's like teeny. So these kids are playing around and they meet this other kid and they're playing around the mud. And this other kid that they met, you know, spoiler alert, he's the devil. The he's, he's in the he, he's in the form of a child and they're playing with these mud 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 people and shit well satan the devil starts to make these mud people alive right yeah, yeah. and they st- they start to do all this crazy shit and build castles and all this other fucking crazy shit well at one point the mud people start to argue and cause an issue well satan just absolutely smashes them and kills them and the other kids, mm-hmm. the kids are absolutely appalled. They're like, what's going on? Like, why'd you kill them? It's like, don't worry about it. They'll be back. <laughs> and see, to, to me, that's the definition of spirit. Because yeah. spirit doesn't really, flesh, it, it's, it, it's not. So spirit reigns in an area where, like, in my opinion, 
but there's a bit of, uh, let's call it immortality to spirit. So that it doesn't really cope with that way. Now, when you talk about spiritualism, sometimes people talk about, you know, Azrael, Open My Third Eye, Candles and, and Wiccan books and all that stuff right. that I'm super, super big fan of. But for me, spiritualism has a lot to do with consciousness, like adding consciousness to something. For me, that's the definition of it. So the more consciousness my subconscious, excuse me, the more consciousness I put, I bring my subconscious into consciousness. I'm saying this awful. <laughs> Let me start over. Yeah. The more subconscious and unconscious I bring the consciousness, the more I become me, which is how I define spiritualism. But other people define it in other ways, you know, talking to ghosts and all kinds of fucking crazy shit like that. Let me well, ask yeah. you, how do you define spiritualism? See, I came to spiritual be like beliefs through uh, when I got sober, because I no before shit. before sobriety I had no, I, well I can't say I had no inclination in that direction. I had a lot of inclination in far as I read a lot. You know, you know me, I've always been a big reader, and I um I read a, a wide variety of information in regards to these things because I think at that point in my life when I was in like. The, the deeper stages of addiction and, and what I was going through with all of that, I think I was a seeker more than anything. I was trying to find some, some reason, some rhyme, some reason, you know what I mean? I was, I was just, I was a seeker. I, was, I didn't know what I was seeking, but I was seeking something. And I, that materializes later, but through getting sober, I found, because it's, some people get like religious about their, their sobriety and religious like uh, recovery I, that's that's not really the route that I took, and um, I was able to find something. For me, it's more about like spiritualism is more about just that thing that's bigger than us, the, the that that spirit of the universe kind of a thing, that um, that intangible uh, support we feel when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like when I'm painting, I feel a spiritual connection when I'm painting my own work, not necessarily on a commission, but on on my own work when I'm doing my own original work. I feel supported by something bigger and I take that and I can use it for anything. It's like, um, it's like a source of fuel, you know, I'm able to find a reason to get back up, to get moving when I don't want to, you know, it's, it's a drive. It's, it's a lot of things for me, spiritual, but there's also like what you, you touched on for a second there, like spiritualists were a different thing altogether. You've got, you know, uh, psychics and palm readers and that kind of thing that that's that's spiritualism or spiritualists right versus the idea of spiritualism for for the individual yeah i mean it, it's one of those things that i i do think that we get to define for ourselves you know yeah like it's it's i, I do think when you say okay let's have a spiritual conversation i think that that can mean a bunch of things to a bunch of people and i think that's a good thing and, yeah, and, absolutely. But when I'm trying to relate art to spiritualism, there is there are certain things for me that are so ingrained in the fabric of my everyday life that I don't view them as strange or uh, kooky. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like med like meditation. Like I know people that think meditation is kooky, and I'm like, yeah. To me, that's like saying I, I talking about like not sleeping. It's it's as much a part of my life as sleeping or eating. Like without it, I I literally do not know how to function. 
Now, yeah. that's, to, that's not to say, like, if, if somebody I know doesn't do it, I think any less of them. But for me, the common everyday stuff, I would say it's probably more spiritual than most people would using that word would be like Minton lives a really kooky fucking life, you know, Fox Mulder yeah. type stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm actually pretty afraid to talk about it a lot of times because I, I'm so used to being ostracized by my belief systems. Like I, I, I don't talk about it. You know, it, it, I, I, I put a lot of it into the work I do. Yeah. And sure. I, I hope that the work speaks in some way to it, but it's that's that's as I've talked about many many times. That's the journey I'm on, and that that's what I do work on. I don't need to preach it to other people. I don't need other people to believe what I believe. I don't need other people to see the world the way that I see it. I, I, it's it's fine, you know. Do you do you, you know? Yeah, it's in a spiritual way. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I, I, I hate interrupting you. I, uh, I believe that whatever you believe is right for you, whether or not you're a Catholic or a Tibetan Buddhist. Whatever it is, is real and, and true to you and has nothing to do with, with my beliefs or how I see the fucking world. Um, I do get creeped out when people are like, well, I need you to believe the way I believe. And I'm like, why? If, it, if how you believe is right, then w- what's the point of making other people believe exactly the same way you do? I'm sorry, yeah. what were you going to say? Well, that that just led me down another thing was because like I, when, when somebody says something to me like that, it's, it's more – it's not so much like why. It's like how. Like, I, I don't know how I, how can I believe like you believe? We have separate experiences going on right now. How can I match mine to yours? And, and how can you expect me to push that into a space that doesn't exist for me? So that's one of the things that I've learned is like what you mentioned was it's, it's different for everybody. Part of one of my favorite things about spiritual issues and, and, and the concepts is the root of the word spiritual is, is that word ritual in there. And right. when you get down to it, like what a ritual actually is, like people hear the word ritual and they think any number of things, most of which involve something spooky, you know, something, you know, something that hocus pocus, right? All, all a ritual truly is, is you're doing a series of actions in order to bring about a specific result. That's all right. it is. That's all, that's all it is. It's a specific, when I sharpen a pencil, it could be seen as a ritual so that I'm capable of drawing. That's a, that's a ritual. Or when, yeah. you're, when you're a drug addict, you lay out your needles and your works and all your stuff, you get everything set the way you want it. There's a ritual of proceeding forward to getting yourself what you need to get out of that arrangement, right? So people have this whole misconception about a lot of this, I think, when they can just make it a lot easier on themselves and look at the the small pieces, I guess. Yeah. Causing change to occur with an act of will. Exactly. That, 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 that's exactly. to me, that's magic. That's breathing. That's walking. It's, it's, it's not weird. No. Um, and I, mean, I can't, I'm one of those ones that you mentioned that I'd never, I was not a, a, a meditative practitioner in any form or fashion for most, the majority of my life. And over the last, I'd say 10 years, it's become something where, you know, I, I, I can't not breathe. <laughs> I have to breathe. Right. So in the mornings and a portion of the evenings, I spend it just trying to get still. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I get looked at very strangely when people ask me, you know, about it or, or they want to talk about it. Or they want to, they want to, you know, do their thing. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I've definitely been judged for it for many, many times. So I, I try not to talk about it as much as possible. I mean, I think we went through this a lot in the past from podcasts, but as far as me just not wanting to talk about it, I, I have this thing ingrained in my brain where it's like, okay, it's something you don't, you don't really talk about. So I lightly skirt yeah. on basically everything. But like I, like I was saying, my, my fundamental beliefs are whatever you believe is right for you. And, you know, I don't judge anybody unless, I mean, unless your, your beliefs are, are stomping on other people and being a dick to other people and I, you can fuck off. But Well, I mean, don't be a dick is a great belief system in itself. I agree with that. Now, let me ask you, though, to when you were coming into spiritualism, like as far as like, OK, you get sober. Yeah. And you're like. Are you at that point like, OK, now I need some spirit in my life to to be to maintain. I need to I need to the whole AA thing of believing in a higher power. Yeah, yeah. That, that had a huge, huge part in uh, getting me there. Like but but that can look like anything. You, there's a lot of. There's a lot of misconceptions about certain, you know, different groups that, that help you with these types of issues, like anything kind of a 12 step program or whatever. But like and not to not to zero in on that. That's just a big chunk of my life. I, that's not like but it did help me in getting onto a different path, because when I was drinking and doing the things that go along with that and all the, the dry goods that go along with that as well, I didn't have spirit. I was I felt empty like. I was capable of anything because I didn't have any compass. I had no, there was, the, I mean, moral compass is, is just the tip of it. I had no compass. I had like no direction. No, my direction, as you can attest from our past is blow shit up and move along. Like I was, it was, it was chaos for chaos's sake was most my, my whole pattern. So in order to change that, the, 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 the man has to change. The same man will continue on the same path. You've got to change the man in order to change what the what there's. It's like math. It's like a small. It's like a math problem. If you keep the same numbers, it doesn't matter which order they're in. They're going to come out with the same result. But if you change one number, and for me that number was, you know, finding some kind of a spiritual footing, you know, some some way to to fill that that void that I had had that I was filling with whatever I was throwing in there, like the garbage dump that I was, you know, when you change that, you can't help but change as a person. So then when you put a couple of different little pieces to the puzzle there, like meditation or, you know, any kind of focusing on, on different aspects of, of self, or uh, you could call it prayer, you could call it whatever, the, the rituals that you go through in order to, to change your life, that whole, that whole portion of my life came like became it just didn't exist before like i said I, I i was a seeker but there was no there was no end goal there was no i wasn't sure what that meant at the time i was just reading maybe so that when i got to a point when i was open to that i had a little bit of a basis of information to to put in place so that i didn't feel like i was just you know falling into some new void like i had for 20 30 years whatever it was you know so yeah it was it was something that really just led me to a path versus something that was adopted like i didn't i didn't adopt a belief system do you know what i'm saying like i didn't go into a, a program and then adopt that belief system i, I created my own well let me ask you do you God. do you believe in a higher power like do you would you say you believe in a god i i'm 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 a i'm a something is bigger than me guy that's what i've got i've got something is bigger than me 
and that's that's as as that's as clear cut as it needs to be to work so far. And I mean, that's been almost ten years now. So if that's working in and of itself, what I do know is that in order to go along with that, that comes back to ritual, which is I have to do some certain things on a daily basis to perpetuate that. And I love the result of that because it also enhances spiritual growth and builds a practice of meditation and, and getting, like I said, getting still. I'm not good at, I'm, I'm by no means am I very far along the, the, the way with it, but I do it every day. And in the practice is where you find, you know, that that's where the change is because you're actually doing the thing. I'm a big believer in action. I'm not a big believer in sit around and wait. Right. And that's never, that's never changed. I've always been that. I mean, there's this, to me, there's, I, I couldn't agree with that more from the standpoint of it takes intentionality and action through intentionality and then discipline on top of that. Well, building discipline through these practices, through things like, I mean, building discipline through meditation, it starts off with maybe you can sit and, and focus on something for two minutes, right? I went almost a whole year where all I could do, I couldn't, I couldn't meditate longer than like nine minutes because I was just too, it was just too much. It got, it just got to be too much. There was a feeling like a tangible feeling that I'm going to disconnect, that I might float away in some weird way. Like there was, mm -hmm. there was some weird shit when I started meditating, man. Like when I really first started putting that intent that we talk about all the time, there was some, there was some interesting changes that happened and there was some scariness to it. Like it's new things. I don't like new things. Just it takes some time. And now I get to a point where I, I look for that. I look for that opening. It, it's it's a whole, it's a, man, it's so amazing. Yeah, I mean, I follow you. I, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, I, I do submit to you to try to practice active meditation at some point. Or like you go yeah. in there and you like just let everything, let it tell you a story. Even if you feel like you're creating the story, it still has definition and meaning. Yeah, it's gotten to that point now. It's gotten to the point where I can I can Simpler egg, find egg number six is after the Sorry. I don't know if it's a if it's a direction. I don't know if I'm if I'm directing, but it's 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 changing. And what I appreciate about it is that I can see the changes as they happen now. And it used to be I was just trying like okay, when I first started trying to meditate, I was living in an apartment and I had a ceiling fan, right? All I could focus on was this fucking ceiling fan. And it drove me crazy. So I had to go and do something, do something else. I was just trying to find stillness, and I couldn't find it because of like outside influence. That doesn't affect me as much anymore, and I'm able to take myself in a direction, in a different direction. It makes me think of a lot of like um, a lot of lucid, lucid dreaming stuff that I read when I was when I was much younger. A lot of the Castaneda mm -hmm. stuff talking about lucid dreaming and that kind of feel to it, and it's it's not quite that, but it has that kind of feel. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, I, I hear you 100. percent I mean, it's, it's, I, I again, I, I don't know how people deal with it without it. I don't either anymore. I just don't, I, I can't, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I don't, if I don't have a moment or two, if I don't, okay. So the morning is the best time for me. I get up and I go out into the backyard. Usually I'm just taking the dog up, but I go out in the backyard and I have a spot and I, I sit in the spot and I get still and I'm there as long as I can be there. And if I don't do even just that bare minimum of what that is, the rest of the day is sideways every time. I can go back and reset, but it takes effort to make me do it. And that that effort, um, I'd rather spend that on something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I meditate every day in the morning and the night. And 
it's 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 something I yeah I can't live without it. Uh-uh. Have you had any spiritual experiences during or while you were while you've been painting? Yeah, there was. Um, we talked about. Um, we were talking about our our work doing things with um with Bay and fairies. Remember, we were talking about that maybe a couple episodes back. <clears throat> During that show, that was a show. There was a show I did called Changeling, and it was a lot of mythology, um, kind of obscure like Huldras and some different obscure type Fae work. And I got to a point where I was. I remember I was one day in particular. I was meditating about something, and it wasn't that I was meditating on the on the work. But the work came into my head. And that day, <clears throat> that day, I actually painted the piece that I sent up to you that was at the gallery that you were connected with before. And that piece was something that I'm still to this day very, very happy with how that came out. That was a result of guiding myself through a process that I hadn't guided myself through before. That I used to just kind of let autopilot. But this was something that I took myself to a particular, like I knew what I, I walked away knowing what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like that was that was one of those occurrences where I walked away knowing what I was going to do next, and that's 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 an amazing feeling. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've had fucked up experiences. Um, I've definitely had some messed up experiences. I, I I don't know that I've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Um. So stop me when 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 if I have, but um. Okay, so my very first convention uh, I was at uh, Chicago Wizard World, and I had an assistant at the time. Right. And um, I had taken a bunch of oil paintings with me. Now, okay, so there was a there was a painting called Negretto Three, mm-hmm. and I. It was the first painting I'd ever painted where I sat back from it and went, wow, I, I actually might better do this. Right, right. Like this is, it, 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 it mattered to me. Uh-huh. Uh, up, up until that point in that painting, um, I wasn't sure if I could, if yeah, that makes any yeah. sense. It does. Um, and so I, I had this painting and I'd, take it, I'd, I'd taken it and uh, it wasn't framed. Uh, it was before I started framing. This is way long ago. Uh-huh. Um, and on the way out, my assistant at the time was holding it as we went up this escalator uh, as we were leaving the convention. And there was this plexiglass part of the escalator that was hanging out, and she mm. bashed bashed the painting against this piece <laughs> of plexiglass. And in the shoulder, it was painted on a, on a wood panel. On yeah. the shoulder of the character in the painting, um, there was this chip that came out. You could see all the way down to the wood. It was about uh, a millimeter, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. It was about a centimeter. Excuse me. I was destroyed. It of course you messed were. me up. Not, even if I painted over it, there was going to be a dip in it, you know. So um, I went home and I showed. Uh, the people I, I lived with and they were blown away and upset by it. And I went to sleep and I was in hypnagogia the next morning uh-huh. and I decided I had hypnagogia. You're pretty much still asleep. Yeah. Um, and I was in the furthest reaches of hypnagogia. I was basically still asleep, but I was very focused on how to fix it. And in my brain and my fucking uh, dream state, 
I started putting the molecules that were missing back together. Mm -hmm. I woke up and I, I thought it was fixed. And immediately when I, when I woke up and I, I figured out that the painting, you know, I, I'm sitting up in bed. I'm like, the painting isn't fixed. I, I started weeping. Yeah. And I go, I go downstairs to look at the painting and there was no damage to the painting. Zero damage. Absolutely none. And but the people I lived with at the time were so upset by it too, by what happened. Yeah. By the fact that the damage was gone, that they never spoke about it unless we were in company. It freaked <laughs> everybody out. Like everybody saw it and it we it was such a freaky thing. Yeah. That, yeah. That people people stopped talking about it. They wouldn't <laughs> talk about it. Um and it took me a really long time to sell that painting. I did end up selling it um to the right person. Yeah. Um, and I, and I've never done Negretto four, which is a, which is a painting I, I intend on doing, but it, it was, it was a very crazy thing. I mean, it, it sounds like an unbelievable story and I right. can't tell you what happened. I don't yeah. know what happened. I, I have no idea the, the, the reality of, of whatever took place there. I have no, no clue. All I know is that, that I, I absolutely remember that there's no pictures, unfortunately, but I absolutely remember like, why, why would I take a picture of a damaged painting, right? Right. But right. I, it blew me away. And it was this thing that kind of – that situation, that story propelled me so much so much further along my path of trying to be a painter that I can't even articulate it to you. Something <laughs> in the universe was like, nope. This is the way we, you, you you're doing you're doing your dharma. You're you're doing the right thing. Keep fucking yeah. going. Here, here's a little caveat, sugar cube. Um, and you know, to me, that was one of the most spiritual things I've ever had going on with painting. The the only other story that I, I'd be willing to talk about is <laughs> there is there there is a museum here in Chicago um, uh -huh. that that houses a bunch of really really amazing artwork, and they they rotate it. Um, and I initially, uh, my stepfather used to buy me yearly passes to the art museum. Cause whenever I get stuck, I wouldn't call it art or art block. It's just sometimes, sometimes you're stuck. Yeah. Sometimes in the sense you're of up. You need a little time is what yeah. I do. So I'd always go to the museum and there was one, there was one painting that kept coming out of this Cardinal and I'm not going to give any more information about the painting other than that, but I was sitting there these uh, little stools you can sit on, these little benches you can sit on. Yeah. And um, I was sitting on them. It's my favorite painting in the museum by far, I, I think, or at least in the top three for sure. And um, I swear to fucking God to you, I was sitting there and, and the painting fucking moved. Like the figure in the painting moved. Mm. And I can never explain it to anybody and it sounds cheesy and it sounds like Fox Muller nonsense, but I swear to God that painting moved. It was very slight, um, but it really shook me. <laughs> like it made me, it made me pretty <laughs> it freaked would. out. Yeah. It freaked me out pretty bad. And there wasn't anybody to see it or to talk to about it or anything like that. But that was another, I, I guess, spiritual thing that took place with, with uh, artwork. Um, and I, I've had moments of discovering stuff about Hieronymus Bosch and looking at his artwork and going, Oh my God. And blowing yeah. my fucking mind. Um, do you have any weird fucked up stories like that? I do actually have a couple situations. My, my, do you know, so I don't know if this is just something that's strictly 
addicts have or what I don't think it is, but there's a, a phenomenon called like shadow people. You know about shadow people? Oh fuck yeah, sure sure. Right. So I think you and I've talked about shadow people per, like privately, but um, but the shadow people will sometimes show up going through some of these things, um, and it's usually like that that corner of the eye, like out of the periphery, you see something, and and recently, in fact, just a couple of days ago, I was at a friend's house and I was helping move some chairs from one part of the house to the backyard. We we're gonna have some some people. We're gonna hang out and and sit outside and chat, and uh, in his house. I'm pretty sure they're shadow people. And I had been sitting outside by myself meditating for a couple of minutes because it's it's part of what, what happens before these little chats we have. And I was, um, something was distracting me, you know? And as I'm walking through the house, there was some things catching me kind of just off to the side. And I've had that through my life. Like even when I wasn't on heavy narcotics, I still could see shadow people sometimes. It was usually like there was a little bit of sleep deprivation involved or maybe some kind of stress factor had been going on. It's usually something like that that would bring this about. But with the meditation, that becomes more, um, you're able to see things in that way. At least I am, and I'm not, it's not clear. It's not like a clear vision of anything, but I catch things more. And I, I, I think it's because I've, I've learned to pay attention to things inside my periphery better through focusing inward more, if that makes any sense at all but just that was just a couple of days with these fucking shadow people and i hadn't seen them in a while so when when you say sh you see shadow people can you articulate exactly what it is you see when you see them i've like, painted kind of yeah i've, I've painted them before. yeah i've got i've got um it's it's one of those things where it's it's a it's a there's a there's a form there's not an there's not a, a there's not a lot of detail to the form but there's definitely the form there's a, that that sense of it used to be when I was on drugs it used to be a, a sense of menace but now it's a weird curiosity feel it, it feels different yeah I love that fucking shit. I you know what it was we had that house in Stone Mountain and there were shadow people at that house that was I mean I think there were definitely shadow people at that house I was definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> but, uh, but uh no, yeah. yeah. When you're younger, I think this stuff comes easier. Um, I, and I, I, I believe you're more open to it. Yeah, I, I think you learn through adults' projections and their subconscious thought patterns that the, the, to stop looking. Yeah, it's um, a whole lot. There's a whole thing about learning when you're younger versus learning when you're older, and how much easier it is for younger people to learn. And I believe it's part of that. We're going through. Um, we're, we're learning some foreign languages here in the house during the whole lockdown stuff. We decided to take up some, some new learning things. And one of, one of them has been very telling in that it's easier for my son to pick stuff up than it, and, and retain it than it is for me. And I think that when I was younger, like his age, I was more open to things than I am maybe through my 20s and 30s. Uh, but then coming into, you know, teetering on 50 I guess I'm open-minded enough again to, to start seeing some things back again. Yeah, it seems like 20s and 30s is the least time that we're open. To. Well, well, think as about far it. You as know like everything. You know right. everything in your 20s and 30s. You know fucking everything. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the older I get, the more I know I know jack shit. I don't know shit. On a daily basis, I'm reminded of the fact that I don't know anything. And the more the more I think I know the more full of shit I, I, I feel like at the end of the day.
Yeah, I completely hear you that. And it's, it's incredibly insane, liberating. Man. It's incredibly liberating to to say out loud, "I don't know." Like that's such a powerful statement in and of itself. That 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 one, "I don't know," versus "I know for sure." Like I, I'll I'll take "I don't know" any day of the week because it just it's it's so relieving. There's a famous quote from Aristotle that says, "The beginning of wisdom is I do not know." Yep. And I, I, I definitely live with that. Like, it's okay to not know the answer to something. Definitely. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it is strange, though. You meet people who, who can't do it. And you can tell that they're doing that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, go, go ahead. That's fine. It's, yeah. it's fine. Just. But yeah, I mean, spiritualism, and I mean, I could go on about it for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I do think that there's a massive connection, like we've talked about recently in the podcast, to the internality and in art and yeah. i'm not surprised that there are multiple instances in my life where you know uh it's been you know connected in that way right and, and i meet a, i meet a lot of people who have stories you know they, they have stories about, about art and about how you know they were affected in this way or they had this certain painting when they were growing up and mm-hmm. you know this that and the other and you know it, it is strange. It's a strange thing to think about. I'd love, you know, I don't, I, all five people that listen to this. Um, <laughs> I think we're at 25. Oh, but if you guys have stories, let us know. I want to know about it. I'd love to yeah, talk about them on air. If, if that's all right. It doesn't matter how kooky they are. Go kooky on us. I like kooky. <laughs> uh, I don't believe I'm shocked, in delusion. I'm shocked, I'm shocked a lot less also by things. I'm not... Nothing. There's there's nothing that's like outrageous to me these days. It's it's all kind of like okay, maybe, and that word maybe is another word that frees me up from a lot of things. Like oh, it's it's maybe. I I don't know. Maybe. Well, I kind of got to the point of like if somebody's telling me something, it's true to them. You know whether or not it's an actual thing that took place or. You know that they saw the Civil War people, or on on the you know, right. it's like it, it's true to them, you know, and it's 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 they want me to believe it. So, it, to me, the allegory that they're talking about, the 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 meaning between the lines, is much more significant of whether or not it's true or not. If that makes any sense, it does. Yeah, and and, and it's more about the perception at that point. I. I appreciate people's perception the same way I appreciate photography because it's really the same thing. It's a, it's a perception of, of what you, you, what your experience is. And that brings me back to the whole thing that we were talking about before, where somebody's trying to impose a belief system on you. How, how can, how could you possibly impose something that's unique to you and try to get somebody else to squeeze themselves into that spot? It's not, there's, there's no wonder there's so much fucking, insane shit to deal with in organized religions because people are forcing a belief system into their brain that may just simply not fit and so therefore it's going to come out sideways and then you're going to get all manner of you know i mean horrendous craziness that's going to come out it creeps me out that people are so like there have been full-on wars you know, about uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years based off of that, what we're talking about, that I need you to believe the way I believe. And if well, you don't that. believe the there's, way that there's I... There's also, though, when you when you look at it from, if you look at it on, on like a, a global scale with wars or something like that, then uh, you've also got to factor in with the, the, the banner might be belief or a belief system, but underneath the banner of that 
is generally finance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's if we get true. down to that point, like, but the belief systems, belief, their beliefs are powerful. Ultimately, they are very powerful. And something like a painting, you know, perceptively maybe fixing itself or somebody being able to change their life and, and pull themselves back from the brink of uh, certain death through addiction. These are things that are qualified in certain circles as miracles, both of them, both of those situations. By all rights, that painting should not have been the way that it was. And by all rights, I should not be sitting here with my faculties in, in general place. Not so, you know, I won't go so far as to say I'm not crazy, but I will say that my general faculties function the way they're intended. <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself. Those, shouldn't be. those those are things that should not be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, imagining where we came from, the kind of people we were growing up, the fact that we're alive, semi mentally healthy, and doing good mm -hmm. stuff with our lives is is enough of a miracle for me, most of the fucking time. Yeah, you know and that's I mean? why I believe in such a wide variety of things because my life my experience up until this point is I, I was there. I know through my experience what that looks like. I've overdosed. I've been in, you know, hospitals and jails and institutions and those things. And yet something happened, something changed on a spiritual basis, not just physical cravings being removed, but on a spiritual basis, something changed in me and turned me into a different guy than I was 10 years ago. When you overdose, how many times did you overdose? Um, well, hospitalized or just in general, because it's a different number. Both. <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm aware of, because there was a lot of blackout drinking and, and, and drug use. So there was the, the, the times that I needed to be revived, there were four. What did you, did you know when you asking, what were you overdosing on? It'd be easier to tell you what I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, you, you know, you've seen me. Uh, somebody who doesn't know me doesn't have the benefit of of having watched me go through some of this. Was literally it was just a disease of more. Whatever it was, I wanted more of it. That's all. Yeah, that's a whole thing. It's like I don't understand how certain people are like that. You know, yeah. I, I don't have that with alcohol. <clears throat> my my biggest concern when I drink, and it's always been when I drink, is like, is this going to make me sick? Like I'll stop. <laughs> that was like, never. That was never even. That was never even on the radar. I, I knew it was going to make me sick. The, the difference was that uh, I would drink, I would throw up in a garbage can off the side of a stage, and then I would want more. <laughs> it wasn't, I'm going to drink, I throw up, and then, oh, I don't want to do that again. It was like, let's do that as soon as possible. Yeah, see, that's not how I was built. But um, <laughs> I know we drink together. I, I had, when I was younger, I had an overdose. Yeah. Um, well, I tried to kill myself. Um, I took three sheets of acid and I thought it was going to kill me. <laughs> no, um, it didn't um, at all. Uh, and it was a massively huge, like within a first few minutes of, of take uh, that acid kicking in. Yeah. Um, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to die. Like <laughs> everything shifted, you know, like the ability to focus um, change dramatically, like dramatically right. uh, from the LSD. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't condone LSD, don't do it, whatever. 
but it changed me. That experience was a spiritual fucking experience. It literally yeah, was, changed me for the rest of my life. Got, I was going to bring that up after you got done. Is that's exactly what that was? Did did you did you have similar experiences when you were um, when overdosing? When I was well, specifically when I was experimenting with with LSD and, and hallucinogens, uh, at one point I had an idea that I wanted to eat so much acid that my stomach was full, and I never attained that luckily. But I will say that LSD changed the way that my brain worked. It absolutely altered, not just on a temporary basis, on a permanent basis not not like a brain damage or what but it absolutely connected wires that hadn't been connected previously and something about that i truly believe because i i messed with that at a really early age uh that was like you know 15 14 16 and in that time frame a lot of things change in your brain chemically as it is it's all you got a lot going on in there it's a soup so you throw something like that on top of it and of course, it's going to change things, but it it changed things in a way where I believe 100% that it put me on a completely different trajectory. And I stopped taking any of that. I stopped experimenting with that when I had um, my first really negative experience. I had a few like, you know, what you, a bad trip or whatever, but I had a really, really negative experience with someone who uh, was a legitimate murderer. And he and I had a conversation that um, it altered the way that I looked at things and people and the way that I was behaving. God, you, you can't great, leave me hanging on that. You got to go as far <laughs> into that story as you can possibly get. That one, that one was a guy that was a friend that was, um, it was a small group of, of like, you know, the punk rocks in, in town. And we used to go to a, a hotel and we'd have hotel parties on the weekends. And those hotel parties were drug fests is what we were doing. And um, this guy had planned the death of his girlfriend at the time and he described every bit of it while he and I and another friend were sitting on, on a playground at the at the hotel and um, he described every detail of what was going to happen and what he was going to do and then he proceeded to go do it like a couple of days later like he actually followed through with what he was he was telling us what he was going to do and he did it and then he left town so he that's fine so then he comes back to town and did it to someone else two times and i've i just kind of jesus did, did you ever go to the cops about this did you ever tell everybody the yeah every everybody did everybody did and he he was he was gone and nobody knew where to find him so he was gone uh the second time around he did get caught and he is still in prison now but um and what it was was he i the first one the the first person was a girlfriend that we were all also friends with it was very it was very River's Edge. Remember did, did I know these people? No, this was this was Orlando in, in, in my high school days. This was nobody okay. that was um, unless in some weird small way, small world way. But I, I don't believe so. And it was uh, he was further along on the LSD thing than, than we were. And I think that some of this had to do with that, too. And the spiritual thing that we were talking about a little while ago, he was you could feel you ever. You, I know you do because we know some of the same people. That feeling when somebody's just dark. That, that just, oh, yeah. Oh, that, fuck yeah. 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 That dark that you're like, I don't want to be around this person more than I have to. And you could, you could, it was on him. Like it was just, it hadn't been there before, but suddenly it was just on him. It was, it was like a thing. And uh, 
So he did this he did this thing with the girlfriend, and then he left town. And when he came back, he had um, I guess you know nobody had really thought about it in a long time. It, it was several years when he moved back to Orlando. I had been in L.A. and back, and a few other adventures. And then he did it. He uh, started teaching at a martial arts school, and he took one of the students from there, and he basically they wound up half dead in the trunk of a car. And he did get caught for that. But it, there was a dark twist. Something happened to that guy's spirit that just, he was not the same guy. Yeah, I mean, before I met you, many years before I met you in Atlanta, I had an experience with a friend of mine who murdered another friend of mine. Yeah. And um, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and the person, the murderer, uh, to my knowledge, was never caught. And it, it was it was one of those things that was really freaky. And it, you, you get that. You, you, I've been around several people that are like that. And it's it's yeah. not it's not a it's not a cool thing. <laughs> like, no, I know. Strangely enough, I know several people who have taken human lives over some whatever this whatever the circumstances happen to be. Um, but but what do you like? It, I've been around soldiers. Yeah. And it's a different thing. It, it's that's a different thing entirely. There's a different feel to that, and I don't which know is why. exactly right. I mean, talk about spiritualism. Like right. there's something that because if you've been around somebody who's who's an evil, murdering piece of shit, right? Yeah. There's an emotional thing that goes along with that. There's a there's a there's a tangible thing, and it's dark and it's messed up and there's something wrong. You know, what but I mean? and you feel it before you even know it. You it's just. You you can you can see it on them. It's weird. It's really really strange. I wish if anybody understands what we're talking about and has an explanation, please. I've always been looking for that. And I'll tell you this though, uh, there are the only place I've been to. Well, that's not true. There are two locations in America that feel like that to me in certain areas of it. There are certain aspects of New Orleans that feel the same way. Oh, in a certain, absolutely. C- certain areas of LA that that make me feel that same weird dark thing, and it's even an area. But yeah, um, that's it's crazy because it's it's almost like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it is it is very spiritual thing. That it's a very cuckoo thing. It is, it's, and it's not a pursuit. It's not a pursuit that I wanted to follow. <laughs> no, man, not at all. It's, it's not at it, all. the thing about when you're talking about somebody who's got a purpose or has a, a the soldier versus just the person who's like criminally taken someone's life or something. The, the difference in the, the way that they're there's there's something semi familiar between them, but there's something I think it's because of the intent. Like we talk about so much that word intent, I think on this podcast, that might be the most used word on here. And, and maybe it's something to do with the way that they have to approach what they're doing and why they do it and the belief of why. And if somebody's it's got to be a belief or an intent. That's the only place I've ever been able to think to look for it. Which, to me, the whole thing with intentionality proves a kind of other existence. Yeah. Like, to me, like, I'm not saying for anybody else out there. I mean, the whole people that believe that we are warm food, you know, all the power behind you. But when I have witnessed intentionality, like we're talking about with a murderer versus somebody who's been to war, a policeman who shot someone – all that stuff proves intentionality to me, and and, and the proof of inten- 
the proof of that, I can't talk, sorry. Intentionality? Is the proof of that other. And I mean, there's other things that prove the ultra other affairs of the night or whatever you want to call it. There are other things that prove that too. Like you can laugh all you want to, but like feng shui fucking works. Like the, it, when you go into like a clean, when your room is clean, <laughs> how different you feel versus, which is, you know, it, it, some of this can be explained slightly by, I would say scientific terms. And science is something I, I, I love and I, I'm not against it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm a super right. science guy. I love it, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive in any, in any way. Like there, there, with, there's, with, with that, like I, I'm with you, I'm with you on that because I have this weird thing. When I move into a new place, uh, you pick out which bedroom is going to be your bedroom, right? I have to lay on the floor to figure out which direction the bed goes. If it's going the wrong way, it's going to fuck me up from, from then on. I have oh, got absolutely. To, <laughs> it drives me crazy. I have got to figure out which way the bed has to go because if it's in the wrong direction, life is not going to be good. I've, I've gone against it in the past and it has always fucked me. And there's a thing like you've been in a room long enough, like uh, the bedroom I'm in at the moment, my bed was yeah. facing a certain way for a while and I've had some rough years. And then uh, <laughs> during, I changed the direction of my bed and it totally changed the energy of the room. It absolutely and, is true. Feng shui is a real thing. I believe that because I believe there's something to do with polarity and alignments uh, with, with like, yes, it's just yes. I mean, there's there's this strange thing where I think that people like me and you who paint are all the time or do something in the realm of the subconscious that much. When I'm painting, I, I notice that there are multiple times where I'm like, okay, don't do that area, right? Give it a minute. Oh, yeah. There are these weird little energy things I do that I've just become very used to over time that are such a huge part of how I'm able to paint the way I paint. I'm not saying I'm good at painting, but if I am, and you think that I am, I would say 80% of it is the ability to kind of feng shui a painting. Definitely. It's the same as, as photography. If you're, if you're lining up a shot, you've got to be able to frame the thing in, in your mind and on the canvas. And no, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's, it's definitely, you, it, it has to do with symmetry a little bit. It has to do with placement. It has to do with proportion, but it's definitely about framing the shot. Like the way that you and I both paint, a lot of what we have is we have a centralized uh, subject then we have the background elements, but that centralized element that whatever the, the character or the thing, whatever the, the focal point is, that's got to be in a certain spot or the whole thing falls apart from the beginning. It's weird, isn't it? It is. You know, and, and, and it's such a factual thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, in my daily life of painting, it's such a it's a huge factual thing. There's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to change that. And it's <laughs> over time, uh, that stuff's been way more important to, to, to learning to paint than the technique. Yeah, is, I agree. Is the, the energy of my hand when I'm, I'm doing that brush stroke, not going to that area for a second. There's little, little teeny things like that that go on. I, I call them little microtransactions that are a huge part of every painting, which, which is one of the things I believe – I'm not saying that it occurs with my paintings, but looking at in museums, those little things and those little uh, that person has put themselves in it. 
Oh yeah, that's where that's where they live. That's the the nuance of the person. That's the fingerprint, like I call it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been really good, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably go another hour with this, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I bet we could. Uh, intro music at some point. Uh, I gotta finish. I gotta finish these these next paintings before, because I mean, my brain isn't focused on. I have to be in different places to do music versus like. It's just I can't do them at the same time. I'm just not that smart. Got to shift gears. It's weird. You know, I've tried to do music in the middle of painting. And man, music is an uphill battle for me, much more than painting. Not to say that I'm like a painter, but like it's much harder for me to come up with something musically I like versus something I can paint that I can generally say, okay, that's not horseshit. I'm in a weird, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm in a spot now. It's been years since I've been in a band. And I'm definitely in a spot now where I'm in, I feel like I'm a better painter than I am a musician at this point. It's really strange to say that, but it's a, it's a realization I had to sit down with recently to kind of look at. Uh, I'm going to go with that was always probably a better illustrator type person than I was uh, a musician. I yeah. love making music and I will always make it. And I, I, I absolutely love gear. I'm an absolute gear idiot. Like, please give me all the gear. <laughs> But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, you know, um, I'm, I, I'm not, I, I had to admit to myself, I'm not a very good musician. You know I mean? There are people who love, like Saltillo and get into it. And I, and I love making Saltillo, but it's just, it's never been the same. It's, it's much harder for me. It's a much my harder last, process. My last band was more of a thing between friends. It was a, a band that was like a house band that we did in Atlanta at a place that we uh, used to frequent. And it was one of those deals where we just happened to be at the place and somebody that worked there was like, you guys, are, you guys should be a band. We need a band. You guys, you guys come do it. They, we were basically told to be a band, <laughs> but was that was it, the last, it, huh? Did it turn out any good or? Yeah. Yeah. It turned out really good. One of us, uh, the, the, the only reason it stopped is one of us died. Well, that's not, that, that will definitely stop it. Yeah. That will definitely put it put a, a crimp in a, any band. How long sure. ago was that? I, mean, I hate to hear oh. that you had a friend pass away. Like, I mean, oh, we had we've had so fucking many. It was time. um it was uh, uh little Chris little Chris from uh, Jumpman's Daughter. Remember Chris P. Uh, Pliskin? He, he had died? white dreads. Yeah, he passed away years ago. Yeah. From what? Love that guy. Oh, you know, it's kind of like the life. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and and that was a guy. That was a guy. I traveled a lot of these kind of things that we're talking about. Chris and I had late night conversations all the time about this exact kind of topic. And yeah, we could definitely go another hour easily with this kind of thing. Well, let's do it. Maybe we'll just do it next year, next week. We'll revisit. Uh, All right, man. Well, it was great, and thank you. You know, for even though the intro music is not here, I still appreciate having this time for us to do this. Yeah, me too, brother. Thank you for the hard work you put into it. Absolutely, man. And we will be back. And and thanks for everyone that listened. And um, we'll be back again next week. Sounds great. I'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks.